Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, bud? Going great. What's happening? You were you weren't paddling this week. You were motorcycling. I was. I was. I did a a minor Ontario tour. We uh, we passed up. So we left here in Southern Ontario. Went up, rode through Algonquin Park, Barry's Bay. Did a lot of side roads and stuff, and ended up in Ottawa. Did a foot walking tour of Ottawa, and uh, shortly after we left, we were there at about nine or ten o'clock. Everybody started getting texts from their families saying, what did you do? It's like, what? <laughs> so apparently shortly after we left uh, the grounds of Parliament Hill, there was some sort of security emergency and they evacuated and locked things down. And But it wasn't us. <laughs> you <laughs> Honestly, sure? it wasn't us. <laughs> if any uh, government agencies are listening to this podcast right now and they want Derek's name and number, yeah. just drop me an email. I'll freely give it to you. <laughs> So then, if there's a reward. <laughs> so then that, there's a night in Ottawa. Then there's a, we made it all the way down to Kingston. There's a night in Kingston. And we, I think we did almost 1,400 kilometers total over four days of riding. On motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was a nice weekend or a nice long weekend, four-day weekend. I remember the old days on motorcycles. Mm. They're fun to ride. It was good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a total, total different tripping experience. It is. Than in a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. you're looking for to, you're looking for the journey, and not the destination. You're looking to to like we took a lot of side roads and back roads, and and it's man, there's a lot of nice uh, countryside out, and uh, all the trees are full now, and so it, it's it was just a nice ride. I'd put my backpack up on my uh, backrest, mm-hmm. and then you could just lean back. I had the foot pegs; I could stretch my legs out. Yeah, and yeah. Just yeah. Sit back, relax, and mm-hmm. ride. It was pretty sweet. Awesome. I did stuff around the house. Yeah. I cleaned the garage. I did some yard work. That seems to be my life right now. <laughs> Just like all of that. So yeah, Every spring, it's, a, it's like a month of doing this, yeah. that, the other thing. Yeah. But, oh, got to do it. I mean, yep. It's part of owning the house, right? Absolutely. And other than that, it's not been a whole heck of a lot going on. No, not for me either. It's just been plugging away at work and well, our, trying my to. Daughter graduated. She's got oh, her yes. master's degree now. Master's in yeah art cool. history and curatorial studies. I guess yeah. convocation was on Tuesday. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so she's glad to be done. Six years of university. Yeah. <laughs> six years. Six years. Yeah. Wow. She did four years undergrad and then the two years to get her master's. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. More than I'd want to go to school. <laughs> but now it's just a matter of seeing she can get a job in her field. Yep. So hopefully Line it works things out up. for her. Yeah, it takes a while, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully it all works out for her. Uh, what do we got here today? We got a few things. So, not that you read. <laughs> no. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> so, back in 1930, and I've re- I, I read the book Canoeing with the Cree. Uh, Eric Severide and his friend Walter paddled from Minneapolis to Hudson's Bay. Yeah. Back in 2008, Sean Bloomfield and his buddy Colton did it, and they had their book, Adventure North, uh, which actually I listened to that one on um, Audible because I do the, the listen books. So while I'm driving, somebody reads to me. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> it almost <clears throat> sounds like you. I need that too. I need somebody to read to me. So now, just because this seems to be the year where everybody's doing big trips, three college friends are breaking a this canoe trip into three sections and doing one section each year for the next three years. So this is like what twenty six hundred kilometers or miles, I guess. Oh, so that's uh, quite the distance. Quite the distance. So they decide, you know what? This year we're going to do one section. Next year we'll do the next section. The following year we'll do the last section, get all the way to Hudson's Bay. Awesome. The three women have started a 30-day section that will get them to the Canadian border. All between the ages of 69 and 70 years old. (laughs) Wow. They're veterans of the wilderness. They spent 13 years canoeing the an- in annual segments to the Gulf of Mexico. So they went south. Now they're done that. And now they're, they're heading north. north. Yeah. Anne Shervey Os, I think that's how they pronounce her last. I couldn't find anywhere that says it. Uh, a retired music teacher. Deb White, a retired math teacher. And Deb Knutson, a retired public health nurse, met in college. And have been friends ever since. Well, that's pretty cool. That's, and I mean, you're looking at their ages, so you got to think if they met way back mm-hmm. in their early 20s. 20s. That's long friendships. 50-year friendship. Yeah. Uh, this year, they will paddle to the Canadian border, and they hope to reach the Red River in Fargo in two weeks. Next year, they'll travel to the far end of Lake Winnipeg, and the year after that, they'll take them into Hudson's Bay. Their big thing is uh, polar bears. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to carry a... It's an issue for everybody. Carry a gun, yeah. (laughs) They're paddling an old aluminum canoe. They are armed with good wits, sturdy paddles, and a lot of oatmeal and boxed foods. So all three in one canoe? All three in one canoe. Hmm. They want to test themselves, and that's what it's all about. The lake from Lake Travers on the Minnesota-South Dakota border... To Hudson's Bay, a place with polar bears, will take the trio three years to reach. Uh, three years. That's not that's not bad. I mean, for breaking it down, it probably it makes it easier too, right? You're not fighting the the weather and racing for it. They're not glamping. They're camping on sandbars and places where they can portage their canoe. They began the adventures about 20 years ago and continue because they love it. So at the End of their 40s, 50s, right? Yeah. Or I guess beginning of their, end of their 40s, beginning of their 50s. They started doing these trips. Uh, we've gotten older since we first did this and to think we still look the same, says Newts, and who knows how to stitch wounds and perform <laughs> medical procedures in the wild. But for the most part, the trio, if the trio runs into trouble, they'll probably find a nearby house and ask for help or hope their cell phones have signals. If you have an issue, you just deal with it, Newtson says. I think one of our biggest problems is going to be safe drinking water. Which, that's that's a thing for everybody. Um, what do they say? Anne takes the bow because she has the best eyesight. White <laughs> takes the middle because her eyesight isn't perfect. In fact, she's using the trip to raise funds on GoFundMe for the Himalayan Cataract Project. So far, she's raised about $40,000. Wow. Right? Holy cow. Yeah. 
Uh, so that means Deb Newton gets to sit in the back. Apparently, she's got the best vision. <laughs> when Anne isn't canoeing, she's helping women experience the wilderness with Camp Wow, which stands for Women of the Wilderness, an experimental and educational camp for women on a secluded island in Elbow Lake. So we want to do this because it will be difficult, and we want to show support for people who accomplish difficult things. That's impressive. Have you looked at that river? Yeah. It is a wiggly river. Yep. It takes is, a while. It, 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 and it varies in depth from walking. <laughs> <laughs> so from point A to point B, if it was like, you know, a thousand kilometers, that's 3,000 kilometers of travel yeah. type thing, right? Oh, it's very windy. It is very windy. And it's the border. Bloomfield talks about that in his boat, his book. Yeah. I like those sections where it was so windy. And so the the river is the border between Minnesota and North Dakota, mm-hmm. South Dakota. And hopefully they can get right up to, to Canada and then past yeah. next year they'll uh, go to the end. Winnipeg's the big one. You end up you can end up with a whole lot of well, it becomes a red rest river. days on Lake Winnipeg. Yeah. And this is this is the Red River. This that's the thing that causes all the flooding yep. in uh, Manitoba every year. Yep, and uh, that's a wicked river. So, not knowing which way it flows, I I'm hoping it flows from the U.S. into Canada, because I can't imagine no. fighting that flow the entire time. I'm sure it flows, it flows the south? other way, up to a point. Yeah, up They're to a point. Going to paddle against the current on the Red River? Not me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can't remember where it where it switches. Um but yeah, and then yeah, next year will be a big one because uh like I say Lake Winnipeg weather comes up really fast and you can be mm-hmm. um well, that's a big lake. delayed. Yeah. For days at a time. Be windbound. Yeah. Ooh, and yeah, that's a big lake. So that'll be pretty cool if they do it. That is impressive. I think the, the third year will be the one that really is the hardest. Yes, they have to. Well, are they going to are they going to cross Lake Winnipeg second year, or are they going to get to Lake no, no, Winnipeg, the, the far end of Winnipeg at the end of the second? That year. is a big lake. Yeah, and then you got to go from the north end of Winnipeg all the way up to Hudson Bay. Yeah, and that's quite the trot too. Holy mm-hmm. cow! In and an it, aluminum canoe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like it's probably an old uh, Grumman or something, eh? Maybe. Um, I don't know what it is. No, I remember seeing a picture of it, but it wasn't a Grumman. It wasn't a Grumman. No, it didn't look like one anyway. Huh. So, well, all the best to them. Hopefully they they, they, they accomplish their goal and yeah. manage to get it all done. I have to keep an eye on that. Absolutely. it's. Uh, I can tell you right now, I don't think I could do that trip. In three years, I could. <laughs> Maybe maybe just put it as I don't want to do that. Ah, there you go. <laughs> That's crazy. No, yeah. that is wicked. Lake Winnipeg is way too big. But if someone said, "Hey, Derek, we're going to go from here all the way up. We're going to do half of it this year and half of it next year. Mm-hmm. Are you in?" Uh, if you were retired, oh, if I was retired. 
because I tell you, this is going to take, they're doing a month this year. The next year is probably going to take more, just over a month. And then the final year seems to be the shortest chunk, but maybe the toughest paddling because they're going through the tundra and you're talking way north. Bugs. Oh. Rapids. I forgot about that. The bugs. That that would make me bail right there. People have done it in the season, no problems. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Pretty impressive, though. Yeah. Hats off to them. Well, they're dumping into uh, Hudson Bay, very close to Churchill. Are they going to to, uh, York Factory? I don't know. I'm just looking at the river where the river comes in south of Wapusk National Park. Yeah, because they don't go into exact details on that last section. Yeah. I'm assuming they're taking the Nelson River and Hudson Bay. Whatever is probably the easiest. It's a tough section. There's lots of communities up there. Mm-hmm. It's very heavily po- not. I don't want to say heavily populated, but it's there's a lot of communities. Uh, it's a lot of land. Oy vey! Hmm. Good for them. Yeah. So, the next thing is sort of on the. Same uh, vein of paddling and raising money. Three friends are looking to cross Lake Ontario on stand-up paddle boards in protection of the Great Lakes. Oh. I've come across this one before. Uh, Three guys will cross Lake Ontario on stand-up paddle boards uh, this month in June. Yeah. I think it's uh, the 18th to 25th they're hoping for. Part of a seven-year quest to paddle across five great lakes. So was it always planned to do paddle boards? Because have paddle boards been around for seven years? Oh, yes. Have they? Yes. Hmm. Heck yeah. We've been doing this for six. Yeah. Paddle boards were around before we're we started this. We're new when we started this. Not that new. They are new to us. We just ignored the fact that they existed before so- we started. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jeff Guy, Joe Lorenz, and uh, Quinn Morris have already successfully paddled Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, Lake Superior, and Lake Erie. Lake Ontario represents their final journey across the five great lakes, and it's a difficult journey, though, as they're crossing the body of water on stand-up paddle boards. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it on a stand-up paddle board. No. They created their Stand Up for the Great Lakes goal, which is on Facebook if you look for Stand Up for Great Lakes, uh, in an effort to raise awareness of Great Lakes environmental issues. And they've already raised over $80,000 paddling over the years for various Great Lake and water conservation organizations. Good for them. That's Yeah, we thought uh, Deb's forty grand for Himalayan cataract uh, was something. Uh, paddling over the years, um, we'll, we'll begin our adventure from the shoreline of Toronto. I wonder if that's like downtown Toronto. Uh, touch shore near Niagara on the lake and Fort Niagara in New York, and then paddle back to Toronto. Huh. So across. It's all coastal. Back. So they're, they're, they're crossing Lake Ontario, but they're really staying close to shore. I think they're, it sounds like they're crossing straight across. 
Um, it's not about the paddling. Each will carry their own supplies, include clothes, food, water, filtration, safety gear, and more. The 65-mile round trip is expected to take 24 hours. Yeah, I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're following the shoreline. No, Niagara and Lake is uh, straight across from Toronto. Yeah, so they must have some sort of support because you can't be paddling that open water at night. Uh, obstacles like two to three foot waves, severe headwinds, and boat traffic from 800 plus foot freighters await them. Not to mention they'll be paddling part of the trip in the dark. Mm, that's tough. Hmm. Trio's first crossing was Lake Michigan in 2015, a 60 mile, just under 24, five hour journey. In June, 2017, they crossed Lake Huron in 2018. Um... They paddled across Lake Superior in 21 hours, and in 2019, they paddled across Lake Erie. Wow. So, yeah. They paddled across Lake And I didn't find out where exactly they, where they paddled across, but paddling across Lake Superior in 21 hours. Yeah. It couldn't have been, like, the <laughs> widest section. Yeah. Since, yeah, because if you stand, like, he, down, if you go to the shoreline here in Ajax, mm-hmm. and you stand, there's a couple of points that you can stand up on, they're a bit higher, and you look straight across, mm-hmm. you can see lights. See lights on a good day, you can see yeah. smokestacks of uh, summers over there. So that's, yeah, that's straight across, right? So you can see it. Um, Since... Travel to Canada was uh, restricted due to COVID. They had to postpone the trip in t- until 2022 because oh, they couldn't do it last year. In the meantime, they raised $21,000 on paddleboard trip down the St. Mary's River. Huh. For this paddle, their goal was to raise 25000 all funds to be donated to Stand Up for Great Lakes, dedicated to protecting the Great Lakes Basin. So, yeah, crossing Lake Ontario and back. They're hoping to raise twenty five grand. Our overall goal is to bring awareness to the Great Lakes issues, and right now, microplastics are infiltrating our lakes, and fish and people are ingesting them. It's one of the biggest issues of our day. Our hope is that people will join us in helping our cause by donating to our organization. So, yeah, the trio is looking to for their their weather window. June 18th to 25th. So that's... Uh, that's next week. Like next week. Uh, you can follow them on their Facebook page, Stand Up for Great Lakes. Again, uh, another worthy cause uh, for the environment and people getting out and doing some pretty funky things. Mm-hmm. Impressive. I, don't, I oh. don't know that I'd even want to paddle that in a... Maybe a kayak... If I was with people, of course. Yeah. Canoe, definitely. I would rather a canoe than a stand-up paddleboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't I don't know that yeah. I want to be standing for that long. It can be pretty exposed on, yeah. on any of these big lakes. Yeah. So, yeah, and it doesn't say if they've got uh, support crews or not. You'd hope they've got a boat or something, but <laughs> I don't know. 24 hours. How much, how far can you go in a boat on a tank of gas? Oh, well, there's that too. <laughs> so you might end up rowing the boat, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> carrying, ga- carrying gas with you, I guess. But 
so I guess it'd be 12 hours there and 12 hours back. Mm-hmm. Right? Can you go for 12 hours on a boat? Uh, they got to have, you'd think they've got to have some sort of um, communications to say, yeah, we're in trouble, send out a boat. They've got to have somebody standing by, you would think, right? You'd have to have, yeah. So you're pretty exposed on a paddleboard, right? Yeah. So what's, uh, how do you convert miles to kilometers? 1.6? 1.7. It's it? like 55 kilometers. Yeah. 50 kilometers. Yeah. It's not too bad. I just did a distance measure and it's, uh, for some reason my, my, my tablet is giving it to me in miles, I guess, because I just measured. Because you went to the States. But if I measure into Canada, no, look at that. I'm from Toronto to Ajax is 25 miles. Really? My settings are off. Got to fix my settings. Way to go, weenie. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, we'll have to uh, listen to see what happens with that as well. Hopefully they uh, make it no problems and call it a uh, a success in paddling yes. all five Great Lakes straight good, across. Good luck, guys. Yeah. Uh, let's just move a bit farther around the other side of the planet here. Okay. <laughs> Canoeing as a tool for teaching children. I uh, came across this one here. A national canoeing community, the national canoeing community, is responding to an appeal from the Peril Canoe Club in South Africa to support its growing development program and to realize the dreams of 14 paddlers to compete in the Berg River Canoe Marathon in July. So they got 14 paddlers. They want to do this race and they need to raise money and gear and all that sort of stuff, right? To do it. So their development program with the Oasis NPC uses canoeing as a tool to teach children from disadvantaged backgrounds the importance of discipline, hard work, and determination. As part of a greater team, while still being an individual sport, paddlers learn the importance of applying their physical strength, mental agility, and endurance as they complete, compete in races. The development program currently has 30 young paddlers on the water every day. That's that's a lot. 30 kids? Now, Chicago had the um, CAT program. Yes. Uh, which was the same sort of thing. Yeah. Getting kids from disadvantaged areas to get out on the water and learn all that sort of stuff. Yeah. CAT, this this uh, is the same sort of thing. Adventure therapy? Yeah. What was the first... Chicago? Chicago Adventure Therapy. Because, you know, it's in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Having produced successful racers like Rhino Armdorf and Luke Stoneman and others, the club has attracted a growing number of local youngsters to the club's development arm run by Wayne August, and more than 30 paddlers are taking to the water. Which is huge. If you can get 30 kids to sign up for something like this? That's not an easy oh. thing to oh, do. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Not at all. So by uh, coming down to the to the program, the youngsters get to feel that they are part of the team. Their paddling helps them keep them out of trouble, which is a big, big thing, right? They learn discipline, how to support each other. And if they learn to work hard at sport, they can apply that to their schoolwork as well. I don't know about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
With stars like Stoneman getting national recognition, August says many of the younger paddlers aspire to emulate them, starting off by striving to complete in this 240-kilometer Berg River Canoe Marathon. Oh, such a distance. From their hometown to the west coast town of Veldrift. 240 kilometers. <laughs> They're going to get these kids to, to get out there and paddle this. Yeah. Because they all want to do these races now. I guess it's all, you know, wanting to, like he says, emulate your, your heroes sort of thing, right? We saw them doing this, so uh, let's get out there and, and do it ourselves. It's never easy. The challenge motivates me to keep going and do better. I'm grateful to be able to compete and have gotten my start at the development club, uh, he adds. Um, yeah, so hopefully uh, they can get everything they need to do and get these kids out on the water and they can all participate in the race and see where that takes them. You know, if you can keep them on the water and yes. keep them engaged. Well, if you get them engaged and get involved in their own surroundings and stuff instead of, you know, it, it getting tied up in inner city issues and stuff, it, it's you can grow to learn an appreciation for the outdoors and which it kind of changes people, right? Big time. Uh, let's get back over to this side of the planet, shall we? In Tenney Park, Madison, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. the River Alliance of Wisconsin brought back a creative event to celebrate one of the area's urban rivers. The Fool's Flotilla. Nice I've name. never heard of this before. The Fool's Flotilla? I figured John would have said something about this by oh, now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Not in Wisconsin. a peep. Huh. Not a peep, John. Maybe he's just keeping it a secret. Maybe. Uh, it brings, uh, allows people to bring canoes, kayaks, and other floatable objects to the Yahara River. There, people can dress in costumes and float down the river in a boat parade. That's probably why John doesn't go, because he just doesn't want to wear anything when he's <laughs> paddling. It's been happening for many years in Madison, and Stacy Harbaugh, the River Alliance Communications Director, says, We're proud to host the event and have people gather and enjoy the Yahara River. We really believe that when people come to the river and experience it and enjoy it, then they want to protect it. And we've talked about that before. If you give people an interest or a stake in the river, yeah. and we've talked about that with cleaning up and stuff like that. Yes. You know, it, it makes them want to take a, a part of it and be more, um, uh, you know, protect it and all that sort of thing. There are about 230 people registered for the event. 230 people. That's all a lot of people. Yes. In their boats yes. and floating down the river. Mm. Uh, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we've talked about uh, kayak fishing in Panama. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprecht. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, 
providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Canadian Canoe Museum. It is reopened. It's opening and opening and opening again. It's <laughs> so. open and opened again. It has reopened. Yes. Uh, after those big storms we had a couple of weeks yeah, back, they had to close May it down. First. There was yeah, some so, big damage. Yeah, I didn't realize. It, it, so it, 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 occasionally I keep coming across things where it's like, oh, I forgot about them or I forgot about that. And so so they did suffer some damage. They lost some windows and had some roof damage and so on. Yeah, the uh, f- trees were ripped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, their big welcome sign on the front of the building was ripped off pretty much. Root, a lot of damage to the roof. Windows blown out. Uh, good news, no staff, visitors, volunteers, or anything, anybody were harmed. And canoes, kayaks, and artifacts, none of them were damaged either. So uh, that's all good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they got it all looked after now, and uh, so it's reopened uh, this week, and everybody wants to go check it out. They mm-hmm. can do so. Yeah. The new one's opening next summer. Spring 2023? Yeah. Spring or summer 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, summer 2023. They moved the exhibits in the spring of 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So, summer 2023 is uh, the opening of the new museum. It's a year away. Yeah. It's happening pretty quick. Isn't it? Yeah. Nah. So, if, if we drove by or paddled by, you'd probably see some quite a bit of the structure is already uh, probably up. Yeah. They say winter and spring of 2022 now. I don't know if that means January to June, May sort of thing or, is winter. Yeah, May. Or are they talking like September to December is winter? <laughs> no. Mm. no, 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 no. I guess that would be spring, winter, spring, yes. summer, winter. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I guess, uh, yes, pretty much uh, mm-hmm. should be a large chunk of the building done and then they'll work, move to the insides and. I'm pretty excited about stuff it. Stuff like that. And then start I've, moving stuff. I've seen right? so much of the graphics and they've done a lot of mock-ups of what the outside and inside is going to look like. It's, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Should be good. Should mm-hmm. be good. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a total different feel than what this one is now. The yep. current one is. It's supposed yeah. to have a total new, new feel to it. The total new, um, Exhibits and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. using uh, indigenous languages as part of the exhibit. Yeah, too. they're really going about it the right way. From everything I've read, it's like you know, it's I, I never would have thought of doing that, but it's uh, it's it, they've got some smart people working on it, and uh, I think it's going to come off really nicely. Yeah, forty mil. <laughs> it's a big price tag. There's there's been a lot of donations from. It's not all taxpayers' money, so nope. there's been a lot of private donations, and uh, so it's uh, it's pretty exciting to see that they're you know bringing more history to light of uh, of the canoeing history. Should be good. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to. Yeah, I'll I'll be hitting that place up pretty. Oh quick yeah. Once it's open. Road trip. Road trip. Speaking of road trips, mm-hmm. you want to go to Panama? Uh, there is. Is some there any current wars there right now? Fant- uh, <laughs> Panama Canal War. I don't know what's going on down there, but there's some good marlin fishing down there. Apparently, is there? So Scott Mutchler caught a six-pound bonito 
while fishing off the coast of Panama. It's a bonito. It's a fish. Okay. Never heard of a bonito before. Bonito. Six pound Six bonito. Six pounds. So what does he do? It sounds like he puts this on <laughs> with a heavy weight yeah. and sends it down to where all the bait fish were so hanging out. So he caught something that he made into bait. Yeah. He caught a bait, a six pound bait. I caught a six pound <laughs> bait fish. fish. Six pound fish, fish. is dinner. <laughs> That's dinner. <laughs> I got my dinner. I'm out, these boys. So he's sta- he's staying at this resort. I guess they take people out and do fishing and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, he's done this thing before. He didn't have his bait in the water for long when another visiting kayak angler jumped a giant marlin. But the fish threw the hook on its first jump, and a short time later, Mutchler saw his line zip sideways, and he thought for a minute that another fisherman had snagged his line. Which, if you ever get a big fish and there's a lot of people around, you f- that's one of the first hey, things. Hey, somebody's like, really into my lure. Yeah. Uh, and then you're thinking, I got a fish, and they're I got a fish. And <laughs> then you realize, no, we just yeah, got a couple fighting of each suckers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lines dipped back sideways in the opposite direction, and a few seconds later, a giant black marlin leapt out of the ocean, and the game was on. Wow. Uh, He says, I yelled marlin, and my five fishing friends in other kayaks all scattered. Thanks for the help, buddies. (laughs) (laughs) I assume they just had to get out of the way. While I tried to get control of the big fish for a long fight I figured was coming. An experienced marine kayak angler with plenty of big fish to his credit. He knew just what to do as the marlin made its initial run and the 85-pound test line. 85-pound test line. I think the most I ever go is like 10. That's wicked. Is that like wire? Like how do you get the 85-pound? It'd have to be. Wow. Uh, It started peeling off his reel. It's impressive to get a big hooked fish going straight in... Away in front of the kayak bow, he explains. You got to swing the rod tip to the bow of the kayak so the boat turns towards the fish. You never want to be sideways or else the fish will tip you over. When the boat is lined up correctly and the heavy fish takes off, he adds, the kayak fisherman, a kayak fisherman is in for a modern day Nantucket sleigh ride. (laughs) I had to look that one up. It's like, what is that? I'm thinking, okay, so like a (laughs) horse-drawn sled goes really fast, which sort of when you start looking into the big explanations, they were back in, in, I guess, light to fast fast horse races and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Nantucket sleigh ride is the dragging of a whale boat by a harpooned whale while whaling. Yeehaw. So back in the day, they would use the yeah. smaller boats. And when they yeah. harpooned a whale, it would drag yeah. the boats, so right? there's the main boat, and then they dropped all the small boats. Right. The small boats would go off and get ready to harpoon. There's nowhere that actually says, sorry, just to go off on a tangent, mm-hmm. that where that came from, they believe a journalist came up with this, this <laughs> term. Yeah. And whalers never actually used the term. Oh, no? Nope. Only the media. I guess only the media used Nantucket Sleigh Ride. And now <laughs> I will use it for the rest of my yeah. life. Weehaw. Yeah. Next time uh, I catch a fish, I'm going on a canoe. Nantucket Sleigh Ride. <laughs> Nantucket Sleigh Ride. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a sunfish. <laughs> Nantucket, not so sleigh ride. 
Uh, over the course of the fight, Wetchler says the Marlin jumped at least seven times. How exciting would that be? All while towing his kayak through roughly four miles per hour. <laughs> he would work the fish near the kayak, and the Marlin would leap and dive deep before he could start gaining line again on his reel. Yeah, when you're you're sitting, and you you know your buddies are all sitting there watching you. Yeah, you know, like how exciting, hoping to, to get this in. Partly happy for you, partly cursing because it's yeah. you and not them. I want that fish. Yeah, uh, you know they're all going lose it, lose it, lose <laughs> it, lose it, lose it. Toss the hook. <laughs> I didn't put a lot of pressure on the fish. He just pulled me along for about a mile against a strong current. I would slowly bring him up by pumping the rod. It's not like fighting a big fish with a lot of pressure from a large, heavy boat in a fixed position. The fish doesn't make a big screaming run against the reels when he's pulling you right along with them. <laughs> he's just towing you. Yeah, he's just towing you along. After raising the marlin several times during a relatively short 45-minute battle, battle. And that's a short one, apparently. <laughs> he was finally able to grab and hold the leader, making the catch and release official. Huh. So that's what they do down there. If you can grab the leader, they consider that yeah. a catch. And you had a, you have it close enough because you're not getting yeah. it. The thing's six hundred pounds. Yeah, it's, you're not getting it in your kayak. You're not getting a six hundred <laughs> pound fish in your uh, your, yeah. your kayak, right? Yeah. Not ha- especially the thing's bigger than your kayak. It's I not know, right? Happening. Uh, the last time I got him slowly beside the kayak, I grabbed the leader, raised my hand, and screamed for joy, and he leapt just a few feet in front of my kayak. So there's a video of the fight, including the fish's final jump, which was recorded and uploaded to YouTube by Adam Fisk, the operator of Los Buzos, B-U-Z-O-S. That's the resort I guess he was staying at. Fisk notes that the video description that he's seen plenty of clients hook into large black marlin from kayaks, but Muchler was the first one to successfully grab the leader and officially land the fish. Quote, unquote, land the fish, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Could wow. you imagine, though? Like, I go rangy if I get, like, a, like you say, a six-pound fish on, <laughs> you know, or you get a really decent, heavy yeah. f- uh, walleye or pike. Mm-hmm. 600 pounds. Heavy poop in my pants. Well, that'd be like, so what'd you do today? I fought a fish. Just one? Wow. <laughs> well, let me tell you about the one. Yeah. It's just like, wow. Yikes. 600 pound fish. Oh. And because people eat marlin, right? Yeah. It's popular. So you're sitting there thinking, oh, we're going to have this great marlin dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're just you're just gonna bring it up. Yeah, do a hope he spits your hook out. And, yeah, yeah, and off he goes. <laughs> hope he doesn't spear you to death. I know, right? You're yeah. not well There's protected. There's gotta be cases of that. Well, you're, you can't be well protected in a kayak. For one, I wonder how many people get knocked over, or lose a half, you know, half their gear and equipment, or or the marlin comes up and goes right through your kayak. Well, see, that's what I'm thinking. They're jumping, right? Yeah. So what if he yeah. jumps? He's so close, he jumps and, like, gets you. <laughs> that's got to have happened. Was it, do, you, do you know the Russian guy who keeps crossing all the oceans and stuff? Yeah. Kornikov? Yeah. Didn't he get his rowboat stabbed by a marlin once? He was in a, Ooh, that he was in a marlin feeding frenzy and a marlin... Uh, 
hove a hole right through his, his uh, rowboat. Really? I think I recall that. It was on one of his crossings. Huh. No, I, I don't remember that. Hmm. But somebody's got to have, you know, that he jumps and you decide you're just going to pull. Yeah. Maybe not a 600 pounder. I don't know how many people have died from Marlins. From Marlins stabbings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how was the trip? Well, it was great up until Derek got stabbed. <laughs> you could have made up a name. <laughs> Chad. Oh, Chad. It was great until Chad, go, Chad. until Chad took a Marlin Chad, spike through the head. sometimes goes by Derek. <laughs> could you imagine, though? No, I can't. Yeah, we're coming home early. Why? Well, he got, you know, stabbed. <laughs> Chad, Where, like, Chad got taken out no. by his Marlin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all rooting for him, and then all of a sudden, one thing led to another. It was all fun and games, till Chad lost an yeah. eye. <laughs> Chad was drug out to sea. We never saw him again. Oh, him and his... <laughs> as far as we know, he's still fighting that fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this next one... Is going to maybe polarize people. Yeah. I don't think that was the word I was looking for earlier, but. No, but it works. This might start a fight, a hoot nanny, well, a we rigmarole. Even, we even had trouble kind of coming to terms with the whole thing. Yeah, you got to listen to the whole thing. So, two friends went out on their stand-up paddle boards onto a lake. And ended up costing them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the price of the stand-up paddleboards. They were paddling to a little island close to shore. There were people swimming, taking inflatable toys to the island. Uh, and it was a pretty busy place. Yeah, so there's a lot right? of people around. A people on floaties and people swimming. And- yeah. Police officer in a boat stopped the friends when they got to the island and asked... Now, this they're at the island already. Yeah. Asked them where their life jackets were. They weren't wearing any. Hmm. They looked around and no one else was wearing life jackets either. One of them asked the officer why they were being singled out. It is the law to wear a life jacket on a paddle board. It didn't exactly make sense to the paddlers because there were people on floaties and swimming around them that didn't need life jackets. Officer explained. Because the paddleboard has a paddle or something to move the thing with, it is considered a vessel, and therefore the life jackets are required. Yeah. It's, cut and, it's cut and dry. It's black and white. It's, right. It's the rule. The friends were not aware of the law and expecting to get a warning. They did not. The officer proceeded to write them a ticket and ask for their IDs. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. One of the paddlers was only wearing his bathing suit. He didn't have any ID on him. The officer started to get frustrated and wrote him a ticket telling him to be honest with his name and address. Hmm. So there's there's emotions involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, the officer then wouldn't let them take their paddle boards back to shore because they didn't have life jackets. Huh. He offered them a ride on his boat. With life jacket, without life jackets on. <laughs> to top it off, we could not paddle back from the island, so the police officer took us in his boat with the paddle boards hanging precariously across. 
I asked the officer for a life jacket and he didn't have one for me. <laughs> so now I'm in his fishing boat trying to balance my paddle board, going quickly with a 20 horsepower motor. And we were dodging people swimming and resting on their dollar store floaties. How in the world does that make any sense? <laughs> Uh, it was a strange encounter, and the officer appeared to be on a power trip. In the end, they made it back to shore alive, each with a two hundred and forty dollar ticket. That's a lot. I had no idea life jackets were required on a paddleboard. I always make my kids wear theirs. It never occurred to me to wear one as well. I mean, I should have one on solely on the merit to set a good example for my children. However, after looking up the laws in Canada, that officer, even though he wasn't being nice about it, was right. Yeah. Stand-up paddle boards used for navigation fall in the same category as canoes, kayaks, rowboats, rowing shells, and other human-powered boats less than six meters. You are required to carry mandatory safety equipment under the small vessel regulations. Hmm. You either have to wear a life jacket with a whistle or at least carry one on board and the whistle and buoyant heaving line. Tickets for those not complying can range from 200 to $500. So they could have got a bigger ticket than they already did. Mm -hmm. According to Paddle Canada, if you're paddling across a body of water or getting from point A to point B, you are navigating. So there's a lot to uh, unpack with this here. So first off... Did they have all the required safety gear? Mm -hmm. And if they did, why was why did they not have a life jacket? Yep. B, if they didn't have it, did that 240 include no life jacket, no safety gear? Yeah, who knows? Right? I find it hard to believe people don't know you need to wear a PFD these it days. It does seem to take people by surprise. The flip side of the coin of that is maybe we take it for granted because we're just so engraved in the paddling community, right? Yes. Like, like it's natural. It's, it's reflex. Natural. It's for, reflex. Yeah. I but, would feel weird just like getting into a car. I'd feel uncomfortable not putting on the seatbelt and getting into a boat. I feel the same discomfort level of not wearing a life jacket. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I really should have a life jacket on. It just seems odd that something you're paddling, you assume you don't need. But again, yep. again, that could just be a personal thing. Yeah. Uh, was the officer being a dick? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like that. <laughs> but the law is the law. Uh, you know what? Like I say, they, they say he's getting, you don't know, you know, say he said, she said sort of thing. You don't know, you don't if, know. They, if maybe, you don't know if the cop came off with that over off the bat or if they, if they forced his, his, uh, his hand, if they were giving the cop attitude, which is what you normally see. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so you don't know what the, uh, how the situation morphed from the start to the end. So maybe he, um. I don't know, maybe he was trying to do an educational thing and and they got him ticked off or maybe he just went in like a bowl in a china shop. We, maybe we, it's we know. not the first one of the day. Yeah, maybe, you know? yeah, maybe he's had enough. Uh, enough's enough type yeah. thing. So, but we weren't there. We can only speculate. Could he have given them a warning? He could have. 
maybe yeah. it could have been an opportunity for education. It's like, listen, boys, uh, this could cost you between two and five hundred bucks. You know, that could buy you each a life jacket, right? Yeah, and and that's what we discussed earlier. Is you know what, two hundred and forty bucks. Say, listen, I could bing you for two hundred and forty bucks. Save the ticket. Yeah. Get yourself a life jacket. Mm-hmm. Get to shore. Till you come back with a life jacket, yeah. you better put those things yeah, away. Exactly. Education, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a major increase the last couple of years in water-related deaths. Yes. So is hitting the wallet a way to get people to educate themselves and be safe on the water? I mean, that's $480 between the two of them. Yeah. Right? It, 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 does it come into a point where... You know what? It's in the news. If you start following the news. I know, right? This person died. That person yeah. died. Missing, missing, capsized, yep. rescue. Uh, like when I, when I, every week when I'm looking for topics to discuss, you look I up. don't know how many yeah. through Canada, the United mm-hmm. States articles about people. Lives lost. Because, lives yeah. lost, having to be rescued and all that. So is it just a case of, you know what? There is no warnings anymore. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. Yeah. The message isn't getting out, but we don't know. Again, we're just speculating. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, it, it, I'd be interested to know a little bit more about the background of this story and how it got to be where it is. But yeah, I, I think that the, uh, yeah, you're supposed to, my opinion, wear a life jacket. You're out in the water, wear a life jacket. And, but then again, it, it, like they did get caught with a life jacket, but it could have been an opportunity, a learning opportunity. And, get some good public vibes as opposed to uh, people getting cranky. Ah, you yeah. got a tickets, cash grab. Yeah. So, well, and that's, a, that's the effect everybody has anymore. Yeah. Any, anytime you're on the water, anytime you're anything, you know, like the fishing, you're, you're out fishing and the yeah. conservation areas come up and start ticketing you or, you know, you say you're on the water or anything like that. The minute authority is involved, what a bunch of jerks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. they still do have to do their job. They are doing the job. You know, so hopefully um, this gets out and people start to realize, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I better wear my life jacket. You know, like I say, I have a hard time not with the whole yeah. we didn't know. Oh, no, yeah. That just so gets that doesn't hold water. stuck yeah. with me, mm-hmm. you know. But like I say, Maybe maybe they just didn't, you know. Uh, and at the end of the day, ignorance of the law isn't uh, a protection, no, right? It's not a defense. Not a, not a defense. Mm-hmm. Two things that came out of COVID. Okay. Everyone and their brother, except for me apparently, seem to be able to adopt a dog. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of new dogs out there. Everybody and their brother and their sister and their cousin and their cousins, friends, former roommates, brothers, fathers, <laughs> uncles, sons, yeah. all took to the outdoors and paddle oh, sports. Oh, did they ever. Oh, yeah. Dogs and paddle sports. Mm-hmm. That seems to be <laughs> a trend, an ongoing trend. trend. Yeah. Edgewater is a town just south of Baltimore, Orland, uh, Maryland. Maryland. Why do I keep saying Orland? Does Orland know. even exist? It's a, no, it's not a place. <laughs> that's the 800th state. <laughs> I'm just starting to make them up now. Yeah. Uh, Edgewater is a town just south of Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, Maryland. <laughs> you know why? Because Baltimore, 
Orioles. Oh. Trace is an Oriole fan. Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. Orioles. So a year ago, Bonnie McLeod opened Woof on the Wharf in Edgewater to provide a chance for pet lovers to kayak with their dogs. Hmm. Started renting kayaks from Pier 7 Marina last summer, along with special gear to help pet owners get on the water with their dogs. Visitors could rent gear for themselves and a pet, then spend time on the South River or Warehouse Creek. When it got too cold to kayak, she brought her experience in as a clay relief artist to the business, offering paint with pup nights. <laughs> Friendly, well-behaved dogs are always welcome at those events. And those have been a big thing up here for the last couple of few years, I guess. The wine and paint nights. Oh, they yeah. They have them yeah, some yeah. bars or yeah. something like that. A bunch of, I don't know any guys that have ever gone. It's always the women go and <laughs> they say, okay, paint this picture. Yeah. And you drink wine and paint yes. that picture. Yes. <laughs> I just go drink beer and don't paint a picture. <laughs> Uh, seeing the success of the art program, McLeod wanted to hire more workers this summer at a summer camp for kids 8 to 14 and fill out the Wolf on the Wharf operation. The camp will start in late June and feature art, kayaking, and some dog training. This is like turning into a whole I know. A big event. Let's get your dog out. No, let's just get them to do everything. <laughs> After moving to a different area of the Pier 7 Marina, Wolf on the Wharf now has a former yoga studio to use, along with multiple beaches for visitors to launch. They rented kayaks last year and will expand to stand-up paddle boards this summer. And apart from her business, the marina has a dog-friendly restaurant with outdoor seating located on site. The Pier Restaurant... Uh, McLeod says has been a great has been great for customers to come off the water and have a place to eat and drink after a long paddle with their pup. Uh, she was inspired to open Woof on the Wharf partly by her own dog, a golden retriever named Augie. The two have a lot of fun on the water, paddling into quiet coves and spot osprey, ducks, and other wildlife. I know my dog Hunter used to like to do that and then try to hauled the ducks in. Oh, yeah, did he? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we passed uh, some ducks came right by our canoe one day. Ducks almost lost a duckling. (laughs) We almost gained a duckling. (laughs) We have a duck. (laughs) Uh, There's lots of things that Hunter would bring into the boat. Uh, She also saw the opportunity to keep more canines with their families and prevent abandonment. Sometimes the owner's lifestyle changes and their dog doesn't fit in anymore, whether it be because of kids, new friendships, uh, whatever. My mission is to create more opportunities for pups to be part of their family. Uh, They offer doggy kayak training along with rentals for $15. Wow. uh, To make sure you feel acclimated and so does your dog. And that's important, right? You don't want the dog to be nervous and jittering around, jumping around, trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. Owners are sometimes more nervous than dogs. She's found that dogs who don't swim and don't like the water thrive on a kayak. Huh. They can be close to their owner and check out the sights and sounds of the creek from the safety of the cockpit. And unlike swimmers, they don't want to jump in. And they're sit-on-top kayaks, right? Yeah. So the 
fairly flat mm-hmm. where the dogs can can uh, walk around or sit or lay down, that sort of thing. Uh, a cloud has three small dogs who don't swim, and she takes them out kayaking all the time, and they absolutely love it. In addition to a camp for kids and stand-up paddleboarding, Wolf on the Wharf will start to offer dog, dog yoga, yoga. yoga in partnership with Dynamic Yoga. Um... <laughs> So you're going to be out on a stand-up paddleboard. <laughs> uh, I presume this is stand-up paddleboard yoga. Yeah, that's the that's the rage, right? With the, yeah, that's kind of what they're leading into thinking. So you're out on a board with your dog trying to do yoga. <laughs> this is my great Dane, Fred. I can't see it going well. I just can't, <laughs> can't see it going see well. It going well. Unless you have a chihuahua or something, but a little, yeah, a little like dog. any dog of any substance moving around is going to cause a lot of balance issues on that on that center paddleboard. Yeah, uh, kayak and paddleboard renters are available to people without dogs as well. No dog required. <laughs> a program for single people looking to paddle with others that formed last year has morphed into a weekly meetup on Saturdays. Kayakers and their dogs launch Saturday morning from Wolf on the Wharf. For a group outing. That's like, this has gone huge. (laughs) From just taking your dog on a little paddle to camps and painting and yoga and stand-up paddle boards and (laughs) meet and greets and holy chumpins. That's something. Uh, If you want to check out everything, if you're in the Baltimore area or you're (laughs) going to go to the Baltimore area. Uh, woofonthewharf.com, W-H-O-O-F, on the wharf, all one word, .com. Check it out and, I don't know, by now she might be order, offering like 15 other services too. <laughs> yes, maybe. You know, uh, kayak painting. I've got to say, it's pretty cool though. It like, really is. Boy, you'd have to have a well-disciplined dog because, uh, you know, if you're going to be doing some of these uh, yoga moves and, and whatever on a kayak, that's already hard as it is. Like, I remember uh, just trying to move my feet around when we tried the kayak, like, this, the stand-up paddleboard with... Um, Warren. Warren. Yeah. And, uh, boy, it was... Uh, I had a tough time, and I can't imagine having a dog on there with me at that time. Dude. And then doing, I think like, of my own dogs that I've had. Yeah, yeah. Like, hell nah! And then trying, to, <laughs> then trying to do yoga, like, you know, whatever moves there's involved, I don't know any of them. I know Downward Dog. That's the only one I know. There's one called Tree? I don't know. <laughs> There's one called I'm Swimming Now. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. The wet move. The not so dry. <laughs> yes. Oh. There's the one where dog won't let me back up on the board. Yes. <laughs> oh, endless, I tell you. Endless. <laughs> or the dog falls in trying to get back in. He's going to knock you over. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so many ways those, it can uh, go bad. <laughs> yeah, there's so many ways for this to go bad. Great idea. I should see more of it. <laughs> Uh, that's all I've got. I've got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, you know what else we got nothing of? What? Beer. Oh, So when uh, you show up next week, you better bring more. Got it. (laughs) I'll do a beer run. Actually, this cause-worthy cream ale was good. I've gotten into cream ales lately. Yeah, me too. I've, uh... Because you can drink them fast. I I see them and it's like, oh, you know what? I'm almost guaranteed like a cream ale. Yeah. So it's it's a safe bet when you're, you know, at at some faraway place and it's like, hmm, don't know what to try. I guess I'll try the cream ale. Yeah, and if you're at the liquor store, you're not going to panic and bring some sort of 
um, organic, <laughs> Go ahead, kosher, say it, say it. gluten-free <laughs> beer. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Just want to make sure you didn't forget. <laughs> um, what do we got? Oh. Yes. We're, no, this weekend is Father's Day weekend. It is. And next weekend, we're going for a drive, I think. Oh, yeah? Driving a paddle. Very good. A lot of drives and paddles. Mm-hmm. Long drives. <laughs> Lots of paddles. So, yeah, it'll be good. I'm going to see if I can get out this uh, weekend as well, too. Everybody else isn't going to be home, so I'll just say I did some work and <laughs> go yeah. paddling instead. Can we do that? It's just like golf. I've had a really busy morning, but you've only worked for 15 minutes. I know, but it was so much work. Yeah. <laughs> got to go paddle now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so hot. And I got to unwind. I figure if I'm going to go for a swim, I might as well take the boat. Do I <laughs> yeah. take the canoe or do I take the kayak? I haven't been in the kayak yet this year. No? No. I hmm. vote for a big paddle up to, out on uh, Ontario, Lake Ontario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scoot along the shore and mm-hmm. see some sights. Yell at people. That'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be good. Summer's shorter on here. Get out now. Yep, yep, yep. It's almost June already or July already. Yeah. It is June already. It is June already, yeah. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>